following is a message from Trinity Grace Church in San Antonio, Texas. For more information, please visit trinitygracesa.org. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us outside. Um, I uh, was the RUF campus minister at the University of Central Florida before we moved down here, and our first uh, large group of the year was outside, and I thought this is probably the only time that I'll ever uh, get a chance to preach and to, to lead worship outside, and then uh, the coronavirus pandemic happened, and here we are. So it's a joy to see you guys this morning and uh, to get to worship with you. Let me begin by reading from God's Word. <clears throat> Psalm chapter 8, hear these words of our Lord. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes. You still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the fields, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Pray with me this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, which gives us hope, which clarifies our experience of the world. We pray that you would guide our um, understanding of the word this morning. We pray that you would give us uh, grace as we hear it. I pray that the words that come from my mouth would be profitable, that those words that are not of you would fall to the grounds, um, and that those, those words that are yours Uh, would go forth and would change us this morning. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Psalms are this rich and unique book of the Bible because they provide us uh, with an experience uh, that that we are experiencing currently. Uh, They they help us to understand the world as it is. Uh, They connect the dots with one part of our story with with another. The Psalms also as you might know, or maybe you're unaware of, they were sung together with God's people. So all of God's people would be singing these words together and they would, they would know the entire Psalter, all 150 of them. And so it's interesting here uh, to think of all of God's people throughout uh, the generations, including Jesus, singing these songs and being familiar with them. And so today we're talking about Psalm 8, which is this clearest example of a psalm of creation, a psalm about God's creation. Again, we're, we're outside, so it's really cool to be talking about this because I can kind of point to something in creation um, and, and say, this is actually what we're talking about. These are the things that, that David is referring to. And I just want you to get this image of David as either a shepherd boy um, in the fields or as the king on his back, stargazing, looking up at the heavens, enjoying maybe a cool night, enjoying the, the, the beauty that is out there with all the stars out, with the moon, 
and he is just marveling in God's goodness and what has happened, what, what, what he sees out. So I want you to have that picture and that image in your mind. Um, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I love watching new shows. I'm also a huge podcaster. I love getting into stories uh, that, that are going on um, both in audio and in video forms. And in the past decade, there's really been this hard turn, especially on TV shows, um, where you see the, there's a highlighting of depravity, of, uh, of the evils in the world. The term anti-hero refers to this main character who has a dark side, and their darkness is this picture of this character. And you, and, and you ask, you're like, do I really like this person? Because their, their evil kind of over, it, it is almost greater than the goodness that they show. Uh, some of my personal favorites are shows like Mad Men or Breaking Bad and House of Cards. So much that the, these shows almost glorify evil works. And this glorification of evil is something that, that, that can have some really negative effects in our culture. And it may not be the, the shows that you watch. You may be completely unfamiliar with those shows that I mentioned. Um, but even whenever we turn on the cable news, or when we hear about things that are happening in our world, oftentimes the bad stuff is what's highlighted. The depravity are the, are the things that are highlighted. Um, I've, I'm a huge numbers person. I've almost become obsessed with how, um, how much the coronavirus has spread and what the numbers are like. And so I even see this darkness in my own heart. Um, and if you don't want to talk to me anymore, that's fine. I understand because I'm a weirdo in that way. And so maybe you're like me, but overall, our culture really does crave darkness and depravity. We desire to hear about the dark things that are going on in our world. And because of that, in, in many ways, our theology of being broken people, of being sinful and needing a savior are things that are really attractive, are things that are needed in our society. But, but, but the truth is that that is not the whole story. And that is only a part of the story. If we understand sin and its need to be recaptured, we're only seeing two parts of a four-part story that God has written. The first part is vital, that we were created, that we were created good in God's image. And then the last part is that we have hope because we know that Christ is coming back for us and that he is making all things new. And so we're not gonna talk about the fourth part. We're gonna talk about the first part of the story, the creational value that we have as people who are made in the image of God, as the creation, which was made for God's good worth. And the perspective of this, of this psalm actually pushes us to think about these things. So there's three vital points that we're, going to draw out today, that God created all things for his glory, first of all. Secondly, that he created humans to be the most cherished of all creation. And then third, that Christ has come and died for this cherished creation. <clears throat> so first, God created all things for his glory. This psalm is built upon the words of Genesis chapter one and chapter two the creation of the world. And sometimes we can even treat those like they're a, a foregone memory. Like it was something that happened way, way, way in the past. 
Um, but, but it does have real value for us. We hear it at the beginning of this psalm where, where David is saying, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established, your, established strength because of your foes. There is this picture of the creation being good and being valuable. And then in verse three, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? Again, I want you to have that image of David, the king, or his memory of David, the shepherd boy, gazing upon the stars, looking out into the hills as I'm looking, as as I speak to you right now, looking out upon the beauty of God's creation, and thinking, God, you have created all of this. Who am I that you are mindful of him, that, that you are mindful of me? Genesis 1, um, 1 through 5 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. God called the light day, and the, excuse me, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. God created all things, and when he creates in a day, he says that it was good. Uh, this is a, a wonderful thing for us to remember, that God created this. That he created the moon and the stars and the land and the water and these things that he created we're good. He wants us to enjoy his creation. He wants us to actually know that he is still with us because of his creation, that God actually reveals himself in his creation. The term for that, the theological term is general revelation, that God uses the works of creation in order to reveal his work on earth General revelation proves to the world that we have a covenantal God who cares for us. A God who doesn't just put the world together and let it spin and let it go. But we can see evidences of God's good handiwork around this world. I love the Friedrich Wilderness Park, just on the, probably on the other side of this hill. It is a beautiful hiking park. And I'm sure there are many, many other places around here, around San Antonio. My family and I just moved here about a month and a half ago. But it's, it's wonderful just to see the goodness of God's created work on a hiking trail, on a drive. Uh, we lived in Florida before, in the ocean. And all of these things, we can see God revealing himself to all people, regardless of if you know anything about the Bible in Jesus or not. I was a uh, pre-med student in college. Um, I went to Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. And one of the things that I loved was sitting in classes uh, like biology, but in particular, this one class called genetics, where we learned about the, the very integral, the, the, the very small ways uh, that God builds his, his creation. Uh, in one of these classes, we learned about how there are small mutations that happen in things like uh, corn. 
in, in order to, to allow it to continue to grow and continue to bear the weight of, uh, of weather changes and the world that happens. And there, there's just this interesting way that God, in his kindness, allows plants to grow. Uh, Jesus even speaks of this, that the lilies are, are, are made beautiful. Um, God even cares about those things. And, and as people, it actually allows us an opportunity to look at the beauty of, of God's creation and not just for the utility that they provide us, for the corn and the goodness that, that it provides us for nutrition or the lilies and, and the beauty that they, that they give us but to look upon God's kindness in those things which may not seem to have as much value as, as we do, as God's people who actually have relationship with him. But we are, in, we are enabled to look at God's handiwork and just enjoy it, to not be frustrated uh, in every circumstance. And, and even when we are frustrated, we can look upon things uh, like a palm tree or an oak tree and remember that God created that thing and that he is good. There is a uniqueness in sunrises. There's a uniqueness in the way that, 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 that God paints the day in order to give it to us. Um, a full understanding of the way that God creates actually connects us to people who are deeply connected to our world, like an environmentalist or a conservationist, who in many ways would seem completely outside of any connection to God. It can actually draw them in. It can draw us as God's people who love his creation to them. Imagine if our park managers or those people that care deeply about creation had an understanding of who Jesus is, had an understanding of our God who actually hovered over the faces of the deep, who created these things and loves them and not only allowed this beauty to be, to be set in the world, but actually cares for them and desires to be in relationship with them. So that, that, that leads us to the second point. We see the glory of God all around us, but then God actually created human beings to be the most cherished of all of creation. So David uses some strong language here. He is actually asking God in, in verse four, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? This passage riffs off of Genesis chapter one, verse 27, where it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. He is asking, David is really asking, what is it about humanity that you care for us? That we have dominion and rule, that we are actually able to steward this beautiful world that you have given us. David's getting really philosophical. And I think it is, is so helpful for us as we navigate this world, um, to consider the ways that we can care for plants and animals and the world around us. <clears throat> that we as Christians ought uh, to care very deeply about these things. David is in awe of the responsibility that God has given mankind. 
He follows by speaking of the son of man who cares for him in verse four. And the son of man that you care for him. This section really ought to be highlighted. Not only is created under creation under humanity's dominion, but human beings are also subjected to having this beautiful covenant God who cares for them. And we're going to get, we're actually going to get to that, but God is actually intimately create, intimately interested in you and I and how we interact in this world. He cares for us, but then he also came and redeemed us. But it, in all of these things, he gives us common grace. He enables us to, to have good, like natural things in us, both personally and in our communities, uh, as well as our cultures, in order to show how good he is as, as our Lord. So God has given you common grace. He has placed on you the beautiful handiwork of his, of, of, of his beautiful majesty. Uh, common grace can be difficult to understand because there are legitimately bad people in the world. There are evil people um, who desire to do horrible things. But I think it's helpful for us to think about how God really is a good God, even in the cultures of his people, even in the individuals uh, of his people. My wife is uh, Sarah, maiden name Vigiano. Right. And Vigiano is not an um, Anglo-Saxon name, just so you know. Uh, Vigiano is an Italian name. And so her family is is as Italian as they get. Loud, boisterous, love food, love kissing and hugging, which has made this this pandemic really, really sad because we when we get together, it's it's very, very fun. And so I have loved the ability uh, to get to know their family and really to be a part of it now um, because of how affectionate and loving and kind and crazy sometimes they can be. Um, and so if, if we don't have this view of God's common grace and if we're just looking for the depravity and the, and the parts that, that show off the sinfulness of Italians or of the Vigiano family, we can very easily be led to, to just not really love who they are and just be concerned about who they are constantly and not enjoy the, the beauty uh, of which are Italians in this family. Another example is that I, I love watching bizarre TV shows sometimes. You'll probably get to know that over the next couple of years. And one show that, that I really loved a couple of years ago is called My Big Fat Greek, excuse me, My Big Fat Gypsy Wedding. Um, and this is not a, um, I'm not advertising for the show. I'm pretty sure it's off the air because it was so strange, but the, the gypsy people I was, uh, personally impacted by, because when I went to Northern Ireland, almost 15 years ago, when I was called into ministry, we ministered among a lot of the gypsy people, uh, in Northern Ireland. And they were just some of the most bizarre people. I mean, even their language was very confusing the way that they did things. They're harsh people. And in this show, which tries to highlight their depravity, it shows that they often get into fights and they're kind of nasty people just in general, but they have these extravagant weddings in order to show off uh, how, how good they are. And yet 
God granted in their culture some beautiful glories. One thing in particular, during the Great Plague in Europe, many of the gypsy people were spared because of how of, of their cleanliness. Um, they had these cleanliness um, uh, w- ways of, of cleaning cups and spoons and, and whatnot. And so, so they, in, in large part, were spared because, uh, they, they, b- because of how their culture was structured. Um, and they also have these beautiful family bonds that is highlighted in, in this show. So even though they usually don't have a hometown, they don't have a lot of stability in their own life, um, there is some beauty that can even be found in the Roma gypsy people. And one of the challenges, I think, for us as Americans is that we often have people that we hate, like entire people groups that we hate. I have, have been watching Hamilton almost nonstop on Disney+. Plus. That's a confession that I will gladly hold to. Um, and one of the things that you notice is that even before we became a union, we hated the British people. And there's always kind of this common enemy that Americans have, either if, if we're warring against them or if we just dislike and distaste them. And so it can be hard for us to conceive of, of glories in people that, that we <clears throat> are enemies with, that we don't like. And so I don't know who those people are for you, <clears throat> but I'm hopeful that this idea of common grace actually helps you to see that God did create all things and all cultures even for his glory. I love the way that Martin Luther King Jr. applies common grace. He says, there are no gradations in the kingdom of God. There are no gradations in the kingdom of God. There is no higher people and lower people. There is no scum group in the kingdom of God. And there is no higher you know, ascendant kind of culture. So who are the gypsies? Who is the scum in your own life? It can be, it, it can be people groups, right? It can be people from a certain place, or often it can be people that have certain cultural, have, have certain ways that they act. For some people, it's, it's uh, people who are loud and obnoxious. For others, it's people who are emotional or erratic or those who are unstable. Or, since we're in 2020, people who are woke or people that aren't woke or are unwoke, if that's even a term. People who don't have a diverse friend group. People that aren't well-traveled. People that don't speak well. Just use poor language. Is there a certain class of people uh, that you don't love and naturally just disagree with? Um, is it the poor or is it the really wealthy? Or is it people in between? Who are your gypsies? I challenge you to think about that today. So how does this change the way that we can interact with our neighbors? Maybe we're even thinking of someone who lives next to us, who drives us crazy because they listen to their music way too loud. Who are the people um, that, that you would consider scum? And all of this can be pretty overwhelming. Even as we think of 
the creation and look out on this place and think that we need to steward it well, it can be overwhelming. It can be overwhelming to want to be nice to someone who is very different from us. And so the hope in this passage really is that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life up as a ransom for many. And that's Jesus, friends. Jesus came so that we do not have to be perfect, so that we do not have to figure all of these things out. I just quoted the words from Mark 10. And it's so helpful for us as we're navigating this world to put our trust in the one who has come for all of creation, who put all of creation together in the first place and who came for us because we need him desperately. Jesus came because he loves creation and because he loves us as his people. The author of Hebrews says it this way in Hebrews chapter two, for it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come in which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made a little lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Jesus stooped down to this earth to die, to suffer, so that we might not have to taste death, so that, so that our creation uh, could, could, could be freed from the power of sin, from the power of what has happened because of Christ's death. Sorry about this little <laughs> mic issue. Um, we can actually stargaze and look at the heavens and enjoy the kind of work that, that God has done because we know that he loves us. Because we know that he set the world in motion, but also that he came and he died on our behalf. And as we conclude here, this passage draws us to appreciation of our world and the God who makes us and makes it. He pushes us to think about the greatness of God and to consider the high standing that God has given to we as his people as he causes us to steward the world. He gives us an opportunity to enjoy the earth without making an idol of it. And I don't know about you, but, but that is, that, that's a temptation that I feel often. Am I enjoying this world too much? God is actually re- reminding us in this psalm to, to sing these songs, the Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That is, that, that is what is at the beginning and at the end, it kind of sandwiches this whole psalm. And so as we enjoy our creation, would we sing these songs? And, and in all of this, would this passage draw you to Jesus? If you are walking with him right now, if you are stumbling along in this world, I hope that, the, that Psalm 8 would draw you to Jesus, that it would encourage you that God created this world for our enjoyment, that he isn't separated from it, that he actually cares for creation. 
Today, I hope that you have ultimate satisfaction in your heart and that the ultimate hope can come um, from this God who forever desires to be in relationship with us and wants to know us in deep ways. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for giving us a space where we can come to you, um, where we can look upon your creation uh, and to remember your goodness, your good work on our behalf. I pray, Father, that you would infect our hearts even now. I pray that you would give us hope as we move forward and that you would give us grace. Thank you for for Jesus who came and... um, was, was sacrificed on our behalf <clears throat> so that we might have enjoyment in what you created. I pray all these things, Jesus, for your name, in, in your name and for your glory. Amen.